When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Friday's here. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbo. We've got a little bit of a clearing. Warmer weather. Nice weekend. The week before spring game action. And we'll dive into it. What's going to happen with the offensive line? Love talking with Searles yesterday. We'll talk to part of the pipeline coming up after 5. Dr. Rob Zadiska will join us and uh, get his take on uh, the Riola factor and uh, what can be different with the O-line. Pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman in one hour, and we'll get you all locked in with the Final Four and NCAA tournament down in New Orleans. Jeff Smith, Hall of Fame coach and uh, longtime assistant to Danny Nee. Get his take on Duke, Carolina, and, of course, Kansas and Villanova. Numbers to dial up. Join us. 466-377-7686-800-825-5865. can uh, dial us up. Give us a, a shout, a take. Good for you. Email chris at hailvarsity.com. Follow us. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. So it is April Fool's, right? You've seen a lot of things tweeted out. Nick Saban's retiring, of course. Uh, Coach K was just kidding uh, with this coronation ceremony. He's back for another 30 years. Uh, Nebraska's going back to the Big 12. What else do we have today for for April Fool's? Uh, you have Jalen... <sighs> what the Bama's quarterback about said Hurts? Oh, uh, Bryce Young. Bryce Young, sorry. I don't know why I have Jalen on the mind. Bryce Young's transferring to Lincoln also. Mm-hmm. But what was the biggest like moment for you as a sports fan where you bought in and you feel like a fool because of it? Think about all the transition of, of Nebraska football, right? The transition was going to be okay and seamless. I don't think any of us believed that when it comes to Coach Solich being Tom Osborne. Frank was fine. Frank's a damn good football coach. Frank could have won a title, right? Uh, you go from from Frank to Bill. I mean, it's just salt in the wound Friday. Why not? Mm-hmm. You know, it was going to be okay because he's he's played and he's coached in the Super Bowl. He's going to bring this pro style and amp up recruiting, right? I mean, fool moments – as as we've all bought into it, as, as as a Dolphins fan, a closeted Dolphins fan, that it's going to be okay after Marino. Forgive me. That there was 
no harm to Snowflake in the filming of Ace Ventura. Mm. So just, just speaking of, of buying in here, my dad... That I-Course was going to be okay as AD. <laughs> just speaking into buying here, in here, my dad has totally bought into the idea that I'm currently in the hospital and was hit by a car. He's bought it hook, line, and sinker. You, you sent him something like that? <laughs> yeah, it's a bad, bad April Fool's joke. You absolutely <laughs> suck. I didn't think he'd buy it. Dude. I thought he was listening to the show today, so I sent it like right when the show started. This clearly be, not. Mind, but clearly not. Dude, call your dad. Call him up. Say, Dad, I'm kidding. I love you. Oh, Sorry. Like, put him on the air? <laughs> no, I'm no, kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, there might be some swearing. So, fool moments as a sports fan. We can get into that. Listen, uh... This is a really good story that I want to tell you about with Mitch Sherman. And and he kind of detailed uh, Mark Whipple. And we've touched on, you know, where the wide receivers are weighing in with some different audio this week. We've checked in on on the running game with Coach Applewhite. You have the, the, the offensive line situation that's key. The quarterback race doesn't really – it's not – it's not that it's not settled, but you've just had kind of a quirky spring with all the all, uh, uh, excuse me, all the quarterback injuries. Uh, there we go. So that's that's what you're looking at. But Mitch's story is pretty good about Whipple's offense and what's really effective about it. What's beautiful about this offense and it's it's the versatility. Mm. I go back to to your fool moments as a sports fan where you think it's going to be okay and you get your heart ripped out listen the thing to me about this offense that that can get you excited as a nebraska fan a with the personnel that they have b the fact that they can be multiple how many times have you heard that as a nebraska fan what's your offensive identity multiple right and and you've it, it it happened I think back to 05, where you had a really good run game, a good offensive line, and a good quarterback and a good receiving core. You could do whatever the hell you wanted uh, with Taylor Martinez before he got dinged up against Missouri. The guy was able to crush you with big pass plays and then take the top off with his legs. And, oh, by the way, you had Roy Halu to hand off to in a really good offensive line. So Nebraska had an identity, kind of a zone read power football team with Bo in 2010, but they were able to to hammer you ground and air. I am excited to see the versus, versatility and being multiple on offense. That's having two running backs get four to five yards per carry and wear a team out, wear a team down by the fourth quarter. I'm also excited to to see the talent get on the field with four or five wide receiver sets, and and you can match up a team to death. But but quite frankly, the versatility actually being good. Can you be good at one thing? Can you be great at one thing? Can you be dominant at one thing? Please, yes, if you're a Nebraska fan. But can you be good at other things? And I think that's what's been been lacking, right? What was Nebraska good at the last few years on offense? Probably self-inflicted harm, mm. okay? You had your moments. You weren't awful, but you weren't good enough. You were good at putting up yards and not points. So that's what I'm interested in here. Oscar baseball, busy weekend, big weekend. Ohio State is not uh, great. 
see if Nebraska baseball can get it going a little bit. I mean, you'd hope that there's some uh, possibility here. What can you get? You've had all three phases let you down. Can you be strong offensively uh, and, and more patient with your approach? Can you get some quality outings? Can you get some bullpen help? If you do have quality starts, can you take care of the baseball? All those things are it because none of the fast the, the phases have have hit. If you get a good offensive performance, you're pitching shaky. You're walking people. Uh, if you get good pitching, your offense is non-existent. You're trying too hard. You're leaving runners in scoring position. Say you get five runs you put up and you get a quality start and your bullpen's good. What happens? The defense has failed you. Can you uh, can you get rocking in Columbus? That gets going in about forty five minutes. And it's it's really necessary to even up and get out of your your weekend roadie in Columbus at least two and one. I know we said two and one last weekend, but Ohio State's kind of where Nebraska's at, like nine and thirteen around that that number. You got to go get a series win on the road. You got to start going in the right direction. Otherwise, it could be a lost season. Uh, not panic time, but absolutely, you've seen enough right now to know that Nebraska baseball has been struggling. And quite honestly, uh, they, they need to, uh, to turn the corner and find some consistency defensively. And if they're going to be a work in progress on the pitching mound, at least get, get good offensively. Because you have some talent uh, with the bat in hand. Uh, that, to me, is, is what... The name of the game is just settle down and uh, and be consistent. Easier said than done. And, and uh, this this weekend should be a measuring stick type of weekend for this Husker baseball team where you I mean really through the non-conference slate, you, you don't really know how good those teams are Nebraska has beaten and how good the teams are Nebraska has lost to. You can expect based on uh, recent history over the past five years that Michigan baseball team is probably pretty good despite their record not being as good as you'd expect. This Ohio State team, though, is, I mean, based on what we've seen uh, that from their first couple of weeks and what we know about this Ohio State team is they're probably a, a middle-of-the-road Big Ten team. Uh, they've lost to some good baseball teams. They got swept by Texas State, who, if you remember, that was the whole horns-down team. Yeah, they against, had the walk-off against, against Texas. Texas. It was great. They're up in the top 25. Uh, Ohio State got swept by that Texas State team. So this is not an exceptional Ohio State team by any means. Uh, they've beaten the teams that you'd expect them to beat, and they've lost to the teams that you'd expect them to lose to. I mean, that, that's exactly how I'd put this Ohio State team. You know what they are. I don't think they're anything special. I think this Husker baseball team on paper should out-talent them. So it's going to be a measuring stick weekend of if you can't go in there and go 2-1, and one, I think it could start – being one of those things where you start thinking this might be a long season for Husker baseball of taking your lumps and maybe planning for the future. But it's it's one of those weekends you need to go in, you need to get quality starts, and, and you need to start figuring out your offense because you don't have much longer you can wait to get things kick-started into your Big Ten season. Well, Shadman's 1-3 and three and uh, 3.62 ERA. Every pitcher Nebraska faces this weekend has an ERA at 5 or worse. They're all at 5, but uh, some are... <laughs> Closer to six than others. Uh, you have two and zero, oh and in, in, in Cody Frank going Saturday, and Dawson McCarville right now is is a guy that you want to see some work from on Sunday, right? If it's if it's the stalemate game, uh, you do have some freshmen making some headway here. Uh, Garrett Anglum uh, he leads the team right now with a three fifty eight average. Luke Jensen is uh, right just just a shade over 270. They're playing well as freshmen. Uh, you have uh, 11 freshmen 
that have made their debut this year. And then you also had Jackson Jelkin make his start against Creighton and uh, went two and two-thirds innings, allowed two runs and four hits. So that's all right. Uh, Bryce Matthews has been getting on base, so that's a good thing. The Buckeyes do have some extra base umph. Marcus Ernst to look out for. Three doubles, a home run, 10 runs knocked in. He's a 429 hitter. Uh, you have Desenzo that's hit seven bombs this year. So th- there's that. This is this is doable for Nebraska baseball tonight, tomorrow, and why not just go get a sweep for fun? Easier said than done. It is. Especially with the results of this Husker baseball team this year. But as I said, if you're not getting it done this weekend, it's – it means bigger problems for the rest of the season, in my opinion. I know Will Bolt can say all he wants about it being a long season, but what, once you are as a team what you are, it's hard to change that narrative. And, and this Husker baseball team needs to get things figured out. I, I think we were talking a couple weeks ago. You can't lose too many series in the Big Ten before you start losing opportunities in the postseason. You start dropping down. I mean, the Husker baseball still has a, a great shot at postseason if they can finish the year strong, finish the year how we expect them to, at least how we expected them to before the year started. But uh, if you start stacking some series losses on top of series losses, you, you're going to have some problems as the season goes on. So, question for you. What do you do if you're Tampa Bay? We spent a little bit of time on the Bruce Arians transition. Uh, and Dominican Sue tweeting out yesterday to Todd Bowles. Congrats on becoming head coach of a great team that still feels one man light on talent with eyeballs. Sue wants to come back. Sue's 35. Sue's a Hall of Famer. Sue could help push towards another Super Bowl. More importantly, Sue can help mentor some of those guys on the defensive line. Uh, I, I know, I know uh, Vaz pretty, pretty good, and, and they had to, to make do without him because he busted up his ankle. But do you, do you bring Sue back, and does Sue take a pay cut, is my question, to come back? He's, he's traveled and followed Bowles. He was always a big Jim Schwartz guy because that was his first head coach in Detroit. Uh, he, he liked Schwartz, but then he ended up going to Miami free agency-wise. I think Bowles was down there, and then Bowles left for the Jets. That's, yeah. And, and didn't get real long there, but nobody would have, quite honestly. Then he landed back in Tampa. So there's a connection. There's a fit. It's pretty good. So let's get this moment in April Fools. The, the joke forever in the Southwest Conference was teams would, would get put on probation for, for paying players. Not a big shocker. But they'd go pay guys that, that weren't difference makers. You would think... The ROI on on getting busted by paying a player would at least turn into a banner season. Maybe you beat your rival. Maybe you finally took down Texas, or maybe you finally took down A&M, right? And the joke was, well, these guys are paying guys that aren't any good. <laughs> Remember Fred Taylor? Of course you do. He's been on a fantasy team of yours. Love Fred Taylor. Fred Taylor sat down with Will Compton, Bussin episode, I think last weekend. And it just isn't jealousy or anger when it comes to throwing shade on SEC. This was pretty good. Fred Taylor, when it comes to what Georgia was willing to spend to get him to be a bulldog. I heard that Georgia left a duffel bag of $30,000. I heard it was fifty. 
50,000. I heard it was 50. Either way, you can correct us, but they left you a duffel bag to sign with them over Florida. You ended up choosing Florida and kept the duffel bag. It wasn't a duffel bag. But it was a gang of cash, man. And, uh, hey, 30 or 50. It it was up there. It, it was it was it was. He might have had another 50. zero. Closer to fifty. It, 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 was, it was closer to fifty. Uh, and those were the days, man. It was the days I would just go over to this guy's place and say, "Hey, I'm 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 in West Palm. I'm visiting my mom. Ah, oh, come by my place. Thousand, fifteen, three grand. Every time I went over, and I went over three, four times. <laughs> <laughs> well played, well played, Florida All American back, fringe Hall of Famer. And uh, you're the April Fool today, Georgia. You got to outbid your rival every year for that difference maker when the world's largest outdoor cocktail party comes calling. Jeff Smith is next. Final four thoughts with the Hale Varsity. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back into it, it's Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Final four weekend, and let's bring in the Hall of Fame coach, Jeff Smith with us, and of course, longtime assistant with Danny Knee, a Hall of Fame coach with Lincoln Southeast. Coach, you got to love this. I mean, Final Four is here. How many Final Fours have you been to, or or have you been to one yet? Oh yeah, I think I've gone to about seven, pro- probably six or seven. I I lost count, but but I was <laughs> at the ni- I, I was at the ninety one Final Four in Indianapolis when Kansas beat North Carolina in the semis, and then Duke got to the final with Kansas. We were kind of hoping for a, for a Duke North Carolina final back then, but Roy beat Dean in the semis and then Duke went ahead and won the national championship. But uh, I think that's the closest they've come to meeting in the NCAA tournament uh, final four, at least. Yeah. Um, It's just, it's just odd that they haven't met, you know, as many times that both teams have been there. Well, I mean, they have, they've ruled the roost of going and, dancing and elite eights final fours and then championships it's been remarkable that final four was absolutely incredible when you talk about the the 91 final four because i think it was was it a ku team led by mark randall was that the the guy uh for uh for the jayhawks and i know dean didn't have a good day against roy <laughs> yeah that you know it's always tough playing your playing your pupil but uh-huh. uh, the game though the game was the really good game was duke unlv oh, duke yeah. beats them 79 77 that was an unbelievable game kind of leitner kind of upset almost upset but both teams were both teams were just super talented 
And that was an unbelievable game. And then, yeah, then to follow that up with Dean Smith going against Roy and, um, you know, that, that was uh, that was a special final four for sure. Well, and that UNLV, UNLV team was one of my favorites to watch them in the fab five, along with your 91 Huskers and, you know, Larry Johnson's got the, the chance to win it. And, Duke gets their revenge from just getting destroyed the year before out in Denver. Yeah. You know, in that 91, if we would have gotten by Xavier in that first round, we could have, we could have potentially played Duke. I can't remember if it was been the, to get to the sweet 16 or I think it would have been in the sweet 16, but I was looking ahead a little bit thinking, Oh man, would that be fun playing them? But, uh, <laughs> but they went on and won the national championship. So maybe, maybe we didn't want to, I don't know. Well, I would have loved to see Tony farmer, uh, hand it to Leitner. Just me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we had rich King to match up a little bit there yeah. too, you know, seven, two. So we, we would have actually matched up to him decent. I don't know about Hurley, but, uh, yeah. we, we would have matched up. Okay. Actually. Jeff Smith's with us. Coach, what what does this weekend mean, and how are you feeling? I mean, the coronation continues for Coach K. It's too juicy to have Carolina Duke in the in, in one bracket of the Final Four. And, you know, I think of, of one to go out on top, go out the right way. I hearken back to the 98 Orange Bowl, right, for Nebraska football against Tennessee. Coach K's got a chance to do this, and – and I, forgive me, is he he has four championships and he's trying to claim a fifth, right? Yeah, I, I think it's does he have four or five, something like that. But um, a lot. It, it it does feel like destiny for them, and they have played well down the stretch. Take away the you know take away the final with North Carolina in the regular season, but that was kind of a you know that was kind of a setup. You've got you know four hundred alums there. You've you've got your last game that you you know you're doing an on-court celebration afterwards that's a lot of pressure on the kids and coach k and you you kind of almost set yourself up for failure there so take away that game i think they've they won uh, 13 out of 15 down the stretch um and they are they are you know they're 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 young but they are so talented um and i think bancaro's playing his best basketball um, Jeremy Roach has given him a lift at the point guard position. Mark Williams is just an unbelievable defensive player at, at the post. Um, you know, they have some depth. They have, they have guys playing well. Wendell Moore's playing really well right now. Um, I, I, I would pick them as the favorite going in right now, especially with the, you know, they'll, they'll come back against North Carolina here in my experience coaching that's that's just set up for them to beat North Carolina. North Carolina goes in and upsets them. You get a rematch in the Final Four where the pressure's off a little bit more, and uh, it seems like they're rolling. It's kind of it's it does kind of seem like destiny that they they have a chance, a really good chance to win this thing. Jeff Smith is with us. Uh, college basketball Final Four. Hail Varsity Radio. A Hall of Fame coach, longtime coach at Southeast, assistant with Nebraska during. The golden era of Husker Hoops, where they were dancing uh, every March. Coach, uh, Duke in, in Carolina is special. Let's flip it over to Carolina. I know they're an eight seed, but what, what is special about this Carolina team? Duke, to me, with the, with the Michigan State close and the Texas Tech finish, uh, really kind of flipped the switch, turned the corner. They're elite. They're playing great ball. Carolina came into this probably playing the best out of everybody. What What is great about this team here 
and what what is also scary if you're Duke about him? Well, the the scariest thing is Armando Baycott. He's a you know he's a, a, a active post, averaging a double double, sixteen and twelve. I think he got 20 and 20 against St. Peter. He's, he's unbelievable. I, I remember watching a broadcast early in the year and, and Jay Billis saying that, you know, he, he could easily be the player of the year in the ACC and, and probably really was. But I think the big thing that they did, they were trying to kind of force Caleb Love to play point and he's a scorer and he was, they just weren't flowing well with him at the point. So they go back with RJ Davis at the point and move love to the two where he can just shoot it. And he does that very well. And they, that's kind of when they took off. Um, they got that manic kid from Oklahoma. That's, you know, that's long and can shoot it as well as stretch four. Um, they really filled out their team well by making that move. And of course, you know, of course they're, you know, Leaky Black can defend really well. They're, they're talented also. So it, they do match up pretty well to Duke, obviously when, you know, when you beat them in, in, in Cameron, you do, but um, it is a, it, the, the Baycott kid is a tough matchup for them just because he can score a little bit better than Williams in the post. And, and of course they love to play fast and they love to crash the glass and, um, you know, I think Duke's going to have to do a better job of keeping them um, out of transition and keeping them off the glass. And that's the only way you can beat North Carolina. You know, you watch the you watch the St. Peter game. They get up on St. Peter's big and they look really good doing it. But when they have when they have to run some clock and and slow it down and they and they don't look to run as much because they know they have a lead. They don't look quite the same. I think I think Duke's going to have to make it their pace. Um, and, and keep it not that Duke doesn't play pretty fast, but I don't think they want to play North Carolina fast. I think they want to keep keep it to the Duke Blue Devil pace. Jeff Smith's with us. Hail Varsity Radio Final Four preview. Coach, let's go to the other side of the bracket, uh, Kansas. Uh, we love watching KU hoops, and uh, they have been the one seed that has continued to survive. Uh, and and of course, uh, Villanova just keeps on being Villanova, man. They are uh, so well coached with Jay Wright. I know that more being out is is rough. To me, this is about KU's transition versus Villanova's half court defense. Do you think Nova has an answer? Break this one down for us. Yeah, I, I would take Kansas in this game, but I think it's going to be a grinder. I think Villanova is going to grind this out and, and really play. Uh, they want, they're going to want to keep it in the 60s. I think Kansas averages about 78 a game, and I know that Villanova is going to have to uh, manage clock really well. Their guards are good, so that gives them a chance because they'll be able to handle the, the Kansas pressure. Um, Gillespie's just a fantastic guard and Samuels is really good and they're veteran seniors and they do have Eric uh, Eric Dixon or excuse me Caleb Daniels who can fill in for um, for the injury and that but but they just don't have a lot of depth um, they only play about six players anyway so so really these five starters are going to have to play almost all the minutes and then when you when you do that, then you're counting on them to play all of them to play well. If you have a couple guys that just have an off night, then you can't you can't go to your bench and find guys. So Villanova is hard to play though because they're so fundamentally sound. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They're one of those teams they don't beat themselves. You're going to have to be patient 
defensively to guard them and they get really good motion type movement so they're hard to guard they can shoot threes really well they're the best free throw shooting team of all time Mm -hmm. uh shooting 83 percent as a team so if if you foul them because you're not patient defensively you give them second chances and they kick it out for threes then then villanova could win this game but on the other side I, i love coach self i used to work with him exchanging Back when we had to exchange videos and all that, when he was at Oklahoma State, we were kind of in the same position. A great basketball mind. And Rennie Martin has really sparked them at the point guard position coming off the bench. You know, they've got a big with David McCormick that'll be a handful inside with Villanova. And then I think Ogby's got to play really good for Kansas um, throughout this tournament he has. And, And Kansas looked really, really good in the second half. Um, the, they didn't play that great. The, most of the tournament, you know, Creighton had them on the ropes, mm-hmm. but that second half of this, uh, elite eight game, they look fantastic. And if they can keep that going, they should be able to pull this, pull this off against Villanova. Coach, I, I know what you mean. It was kind of back and forth and they were trailing the U and Larinaga was working some of his magic, right? And then, you, you flip over to the second half, a, a bomb drops, and KU wins by 26, and they hold Miami to 50. I mean, it was just, like you said, the tale of two halves. KU's, is it weird to feel like they're under the radar, even though they're a one seed? I mean, they're kind of forgotten about. Yeah, I would say, and that's a great position to be in. You're coming off you're coming off the best second half you've played in the NCAA tournament for, for quite a while, really. And and everybody's talking North Carolina Duke. And, you know, this kind of seems like the I think somebody called it the undercard the other day for the for the you know, that's kind of what it feels like. So what a great position to be in though, really. You're you're the the only number one seed left and you're not getting that much attention. You know, I, I would I would think that Bill Self, no matter at a program like Kansas, we know how it is with football here, unless you're winning national championships you're probably feeling pressure so this this is probably it's it's really good for him to get back to the final four and and i'm sure you know he's feeling pressure to win it um but i don't think nationally he's feeling that pressure probably just locally with ku fans and and you know wanting to represent that that unbelievable program that they have hello listener this is brandon vogel managing editor of hail varsity and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. Jeff Smith is with us, Hail Varsity Radio, previewing the Final Four. Coach, going to switch uh, real quick to Nebraska basketball this week. The announcement, Armand Gates coming back with Fred. Derek Walker on the way. And as we talk today, still no official announcement yet. Again, as we talk uh, with uh, with uh, Trey, 
uh, and uh, and some of the rest of the roster. But reaction first and foremost uh, to Gates. What do you like from what you see with him as an assistant? And do you anticipate maybe a little bit louder voice from him on Fred's staff moving forward? Yeah, I, I anticipate a little more recruiting activity from Gates. I think that's actually a strength of his, and they they kind of designed that staff when they came in that you know Abdul Masi was going to do a lot of the recruiting. I, I I hope that that Gates can get out and do a little more, and I think he's got some good connections in the you know Chicago area, and and there's a lot of players up there, and I think I think he's you know pretty dynamic that way too so i would say that would be one of the biggest things but i know they i know they like his energy on the floor um i I know they like his relationship with the players Uh, i i think he's i'm glad he's coming back i think he's solid and i think fred um you know really really attached to him quickly as somebody that can help them in this program so I'm definitely excited about that. As far as Walker coming back, extremely excited. I just think he's a good, good leader, a good person. And then I think his game developed a lot in the last year. He got stronger. Anybody that shoots 68% from the field, you, you got to love that. Probably getting more touches. If there's anything he can do is probably maybe expand to where he can hit hit and take mid-range a little more he shot 72 percent from the free throw line so that tells you he can shoot the ball a little bit from from mid-range so maybe that's something that you know he can he can pick and pop to certain spots and give you and stretch just a little bit more and maybe play more of a four-man role um if you can you know if you can fill in with some more bigs around him um but i just i just like his his purpose i like the fact that you know, he made the statement the other day that he likes Coach Hoiberg. Um, he wants to see this through. You know, we're not getting that with a lot of kids anymore. And I, for, for this program, you know, him coming back and Wiltshire coming back and hopefully Trey McGowan's, we'll see about Lat and we'll see about uh, Tamanagas. You know, I'm, I know they have to make decisions yet, but uh, you need some of that, some of that experience back and especially the leadership that Derek Walker can provide. Coach, if you're Coach Hoiberg, are you looking at just the the best candidate that, that blows you away in the sit-down or maybe a smaller school where you can go get a guy because he's going to be making more money and jump into a, to a Power 5? Is that the route you got to take, or do you keep uh, all options open here to fill that Abdel Massey role on the bench? Yeah, I, th- I think you keep all options open, but I think – I think coach is probably looking at fit as far as what he feels he needs. What, what positions do you need coached up a little bit more? What, uh, you know, with doc leaving, how much defensive presence do you have on your staff? Do you need somebody that has specialized in almost being a defensive coordinator, which I kind of would lean towards that, I think. Um, but I think you look at all avenues. I think you look at successful programs, number one, um, you know, whether it's mid-major, whether it's somebody on the bench of, of a major. But like you mentioned, your, your, your money, your salary is going to be attractive to somebody coming from a mid-major. I, I know from coaching at one at Eastern Washington, you know, we're spoiled here at Nebraska. Salaries are a little different here than they are in, in the Big Sky Conference. And if, if you, you know, if you have that kind of money to put in front of somebody, that's very attractive to a mid-major guy that's maybe a, you know, associate head coach or, you know, has established himself as a, as a solid recruiter at that level. And, 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 and like I said, maybe a defensive coordinator type. 
Jeff Smith with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, do you uh, do you take another run at the at the, uh, the portal in a in a game that uh, or uh, uh, a player that could could help aid uh, aid Nebraska? Name that's out there out of Illinois State's Antonio Reeves. Yeah, I think you're. I think you've got a couple guys watching the portal every morning. I I, I look at it. I look at it. There's almost 1,100 kids in the portal now. I think a week ago at this time there was like 860, and now there's like 10 1060, 1060. So you, I think you've got to keep an eye on it. I think that's just absolutely part of recruiting right now. And yes, I think you got to anticipate. You know, they did a pretty good job of over overloading on scholarships and kind of having a feel for who's probably going to go because they're right at the scholarship limit. So um, I'm sure they're thinking if these other three that I mentioned make a decision that you absolutely look at the portal and look for experience. I personally like the grad transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got their degree there. There's no question. They're going to be immediately eligible. I know there's the one-time transfer too, but it just seems that, the older we are, the, the better chance we have of you know winning teams. Anybody is. I think you got to get old, and and you can't keep bringing in you know new guys that are that are inexperienced, and you know you you need some of that base of some old maturity. Um, and I think that's something you look at in the portal too. Unless unless that kid just jump, no matter what class he's in, if he jumps out yet that he's a great fit talent wise for what you need, you know, an elite shooter or a or you know anybody big, of course, is important. So yeah, you you got you probably have two or three guys just studying that portal every morning. Jeff Smith with us, Hall of Fame coach, assistant at Nebraska Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, hit him far and straight. Do well in golf today and uh, have fun with the Final Four. Thanks for a few minutes today. Thanks, Chris. Have a good one. Good to talk with Coach Jeff Smith. We'll spend time with Bill Dolman here at the start of the 5 o'clock hour. And also Rob Zadiska, part of the Pipeline Husker Great, going to be with us. couple of visitors this weekend for Nebraska football. So Will Ancio, he is a tight end. He is a talent out of Wichita, Kansas. So he'll be checking out Lincoln. Also, Amir Herring. He's an offensive guard out of Michigan that's uh, super talented. We've, we've seen a lot of the footage in the film from uh, track in the capital city, at least, oh, from yesterday. And uh, Malachi Coleman just doing Malachi Coleman things at 10 9 100. It's a little bit faster than me and a lot faster than Elijah. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot faster than me. Malachi Coleman's going to Oregon this weekend. Mm-hmm. So Nebraska's going to have to scrap and claw to uh, to get him. And not only did he go run a, a 10-9 in the 100-ish day, he wiped the floor with everyone else, and he did it in the cold, too. Uh, yesterday, yeah. I mean, yesterday it's, like, was, it's like yesterday was good weather. It, well, I ran into one of my favorite track coaches ever, and they were checking out the track yesterday, and they're like, yeah, there was still ice on the track, and then the sunshine peeked through and, and melted things off. No, I, I still had to rock the stocking hat in the shades yesterday because you had a little bit of the sun coming through over at Lincoln High and uh, the stocking hat. But, yeah, I was super proud of Junior. I'm going to be that guy and say, good work, dude. He uh, He looks like a pitcher, man. 
was he snapping off the breaking ball or was he, or was he going fastball? No, he, he had good location. He was throwing strikes. He had yep. breaking pitches. That's all you can ask. And in, even when he missed, they swung, which was good. But he's just got, he just looks like a natural thrower now. I mean, when he was a little, little puke, he had, he'd have to do that Hideo Nomo twist to generate enough umph to get the ball over the plate. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had that, that thing going. <laughs> but, no, I already put money down for, uh, for Tommy John. So, we'll wind down hour one next. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. Hour one almost in the books. We will check in with the Pride Affair, Barry Bill Dolman. Rob Zadiska, part of the pipeline. His outlook and take on the O-line. We talked about multiplicity and the offense there for Coach Whip. And can it can it really be that way? And I, I don't doubt it, but can you be good at many things? I think as a Nebraska fan, you'd settle for being really good at running the football or being physical or power football. So we'll dive into some of that, some of Bill Dolman's thoughts too with your fool's gold moment as a sports fan or as a Husker fan where you were bought in only to have your heart broken. You know, I think you go back to the 94 Orange Bowl for sure. Uh, As a Cubs fan, and this is not commentary on me or my wife, but when we were married – it was in the fall before you scowl at me. It was a bye weekend. So the both of us took a trip out to Colorado. And I'm sitting at a bar on my honeymoon watching the, the Cubs and and I think it was yeah, the Cubs and Marlins go at it. It was 03. And I'm like, all right, Kerry Wood just launched a bomb, a two-run shot. This is all good. Cubs are going to the series. And I love Wrigley. I love Chicago. I'm not a devout Cubs fan anymore because of that 03. They finally broke me. Okay? So that that's one of my fool's gold moments. Saying, eh, Cubs got this. It's just the Marlins. Well, Josh Beckett and that crew had other ideas. Similar story for me back in 07. The Rockies, when they had Rocktober, when they went and won like 20-something consecutive awesome. games. And I'm like the Red Sox gave you the people's elbow. Yeah, I'm like, it's okay. Like The Red Sox have been great this year, but they aren't ready for the Rockies. The Rockies have been a different team since the playoffs started, and then the Rockies get swept. Yeah, that was that was a different beast. The Red Sox were great. Those, those are some incredible squads. Yeah, that, that was the earliest moment in my life of one of my favorite sports teams just driving a stake through my heart with Denver any Denver moments oh well we had the Super Bowl 43 to 8 but I mean that one was over from the first snap so it's, it's, not like I, it's not like I ever had any fool's gold there where I was like ah the Broncos are gonna win it no the, the snap sailed over Manning's head into the end zone that was it game was over yeah that was that was rough that was rough now I mean most of mine center around Nebraska but some pro some pro moments for sure I guess there was the whenever Texas came to town in 2010 after the Big 12 championship oh, game. Oh yeah, they read out around the world. And Texas was even having a, a good year that year, and I was like, this, Nebraska's getting their awful. revenge. And uh, that was. You want to talk about bad? Like, and I I enjoyed my my time working the game, but I, I had to interview Mac Brown afterwards. Oh, 
for ESPN Radio. So, you know, you're there, you're covering it, and you're like, whoa, this was a giant bleep balloon because the whole place was cranked up and rowdy and out for blood. Mm-hmm. And what happens? Oh, you stop T-Magic from going north and south, and you make him go east and west. And then who was a quarterback for Texas that day? Oh, who's the guy after Bouchelle? That that sounds right. Bouchelle, yeah. So Bouchelle's sitting there, and he like runs five times for 50 yards, and it screws up. I mean, Nebraska's best offense was a blocked field goal return for a touchdown. That was their best offense all day. Eric Hag had a punt yep. return with like a minute left and gave a you a little day. hope. But yeah, it was rough. Bill Dolman's coming up. Rob Zadiska next hour. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He has got his hands folded, collared shirt on, earbuds in, the pride of Fairbury ready to go. Bill Dolman with his Christian Elijah Herbal. We're streaming live. It's a Friday at 5 with the pride of Fairbury. Billy D is going to be seen and is seen now on ESPN Lincoln's Facebook, ESPN Lincoln's Twitter. And the makeup is on. Bill, how are you, brother? You look good. This is as uh, dressed up as I've been since I don't know when. This is more <laughs> dressed up than I was when I called the Olympics the last uh, couple of times. Pre-pandemic. <laughs> but we aren't going to ask if you're wearing pants. We don't want to know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're ready to go, Bill. I, I love it. So it is April Fool's Day. We've had a little ongoing. Oh, happy, happy Chris Schmidt Day then. Uh, <laughs> nice work. There we go. Look, we're having technical difficulties. We suddenly <laughs> lost Bill Dolman. We suddenly lost him. No, I'm interested to get your take. Is there a sports moment where you, man, you, you sure your team was going to get it handled and they broke your heart or something unforeseen happened? That, that, that April Fool's, that Fool's gold moment in sports you've got to have something for me you know you're gonna go to the orange bowl are you gonna go orange bowl yeah yeah you know but i always try to look at the silver lining of that orange bowl game in miami against miami in the 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 schnellenberger bowl on their home field that still to this day being the you know hardened journalist that i am uh, objective, the, all that. The, the red is washed off. Yes. Yeah. No. No. Uh, that's still one of those those things that 
that stings as a Husker fan, as a Nebraska native. But I, I look to that not as a silver lining, but as the golden lining of it, because that really helped define Nebraska football, Nebraska culture, the state, the people. Tom, what Tom's decision to go for two was representative of who we are. It's what makes Nebraska special. I know it's not for everybody, <laughs> but, you know, that moment, as painful as it is, and for all the years we've had to look back at Howard Schnellenberger and Ken Calhoun tipping the ball away and why didn't they run the option? Still, I look at that as a defining moment for, for us, you know, and a defining moment for Tom, and that's never going to be tarnished. And even, what, 30, 40 years later, people still remember the guy went for two and how proud we were in defeat of that moment. So that's the one though, where you just go on, that team was so good, so good. And, and even the 82 team, you mm -hmm. know, that one was a robbery. Um, you know, Tom should have had three national titles at least in the eighties and three more in the nineties, but for as painful as that loss was, Thanks for bringing it up. No, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm at, well. I go, it, I go it, back it, to the defining moment of, uh, for us as, as a culture. Elijah touched on the red out round the world, kind of in his formative sports years where Texas is in. Let's get him for, for 2010. Uh, that was the, the echo, the cry for Nebraska football fans, and uh, that, that was a, a tough day. I go back to, to being a teenager watching the 94 Orange Bowl. And and watching Nebraska yeah. go punch for punch with Florida State, a great Florida State team, Charlie Ward, Trev Alberts. You know how great Trev was. He's a Butkus winner. But, you know, jacked elbow and all going off. Uh, I remember yeah, watching uh, a, a couple of plays that Frazier had to Tremaine Bell, and you get in position for the kick, right? And Nebraska just did it. Wasn't their night. You talked to some guys on that, that 93 team. We'll talk to Rob Zadiska here next segment. Not necessarily about that. But it, that, that was kind of my moment. I, I was around in 84, and I remember watching the game. But, you know, it was another Saturday, and, and my father, you know, Saturdays were, were football and Jack Daniels. So <laughs> <laughs> depending on the order, right? So that was, that was kind of it for me. Bill, want to get your take here, bud, on – uh, Nebraska football here as we look to the spring game. First and foremost, are you and Shaggy making the trek east? Well, I actually am making the trek east, but I'm uh, on en route from uh, through Nebraska on to Kentucky to watch some uh, ponies race with the, my killer bee buddies from college, Big Ooh. Jim, Bobby, Mike, and Mike, Big Ben. I'm sure Scott. So you're going uh, to you're going to Churchill. Uh, no, uh, no, uh, but going to watch some ponies run and then watch the, uh, the big game, um, later that day. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So deflated the, the big game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you are, you are not going to be in, in town this year for spring games. Okay. Well, yeah. And I'd love to be there, but you know, the, the boys get together and it's on. I stories. get it. I totally get it. So. The topic well, you here, love it because there's bourbon in Kentucky. No, I know that's right. <laughs> that's that's where I can get it. So, with uh, with Nebraska's offense, what what are you wanting? We hear about the versatility here. What's the one thing you want Nebraska to be good at next year on offense? Running the football. Is that it? Mm -hmm. Running. As simple as that. Snapping the ball to the quarterback with his hands under center. 
You'll I'll see that, I think. Right there, okay? You know, whoever's taking over for Jurgens at center, we went through an entire year of him, you know, with the adventures in snapping uh, in, in the shotgun. Remember remember that? Now, Jurgens is going to be a draft pick, right? But two years ago, whether he could get it straight back to Adrian Martinez, we were just hoping that that would happen. And then last year, when he got that down, we were not confident that he could not snap the ball to the quarterback with his hands under center, so we lose at Minnesota. Let's just snap the ball well, okay? Whoever's taking over at center, just snap the ball well. You're really drilling down here. You're not even talking about power run game on third and two or option short side or let's throw it to the tight end. You just went let's, under center let's, snap. Let's, let's, let's just let's start the play. The inside, <laughs> let's work from the inside out, okay? Let's get the snap with the hands under center. And I know we're going to be a dominant, uh, sh- you know, shotgun or pistol team. I get that. But let's get the hands under center so we can get a yard on third and half a yard to go f- for a touchdown, okay? Let's get that mastered. And then let's mix in a fullback trap, Coach Whipple, just for the heck of it. Let's run that fullback right up the middle, Okay. Um, and then, you know, let's run some option, whatever. But uh, the run game to me, I want to see them run. I want to see the offensive line be nasty. And I know these guys have been talking this week about, we're going to show you how great this offensive line is. Great. It's still the spring game, but great. I love the attitude that you're going to mix it up and you've got, you know, you've had the, where did the word chippy come in? When you're talking about fighting, where did the word, word chippy come in? But okay. It's been chippy between the two lines. And they're going to prove themselves. Great. It's the spring game. But let's prove it. And let's carry it over through the summer and into the fall. So I, I want to see Nebraska run. I get that got the bet situation. I get that every tight end is hurt. And they're bringing wrap. Monty Kratzenstein and Will Washington, uh, you know, back just to play, just to fill out some bodies. But run the ball let's run the ball and let's be a great strong offensive line last year i thought the offensive line i said this on the show many times they they look like they fit the suit they look like a big 10 offensive line but then as the season progressed and you can't get a you know first and goal from the five and you can't score touchdowns consistently unacceptable so let's run the ball let's power run the ball so, Bill, based on what you saw from this offensive line last season, do you think that a, a new position coach and another eight months of work is going to be enough to, to, to make the steps to go from a team that could barely run the ball with any success last season to a team that could run the ball with effectiveness in one of the conferences where it's hardest to run the football being the Big Ten? Do you think that's possible? I, I, I think it's certainly you know possible. Why not? You know, it, it, change in attitude, changes in latitude. You know, maybe that's Jimmy uh, Buffett for two hundred dollars. <laughs> you know, maybe that's maybe that's what's just needed. But then you've got a couple guys who were hurt that I thought were difference makers. Prohaska, I think, is a difference maker. Um, Corcoran was it? Was Corcoran hurt last year? He ended. Well, he's to, hurt. He's hurt this spring. Okay, but you know, get some of these guys healthy. But I think Prohaska is. But you can build an offensive line with a guy even on the outside. Build it around him. I think he's. I think he has the potential to be great. When they put him in, as briefly as he was there last year, he, he was noticeable, right? Mm-hmm. So if he's healthy and and you've got just the attitude, and maybe you have uh, Dominic Royola sending emails to uh, you know to them for his brother, <laughs> I think I think that offensive line could be pretty good. I think they're athletic. Mm-hmm. I think I think that they can only be better. 
you, you cannot have first and goal at the five and not score. And I would show them that those plays, the Minnesota game, over and over and over again and say, don't let this happen anymore. Bill Dolman's with us, prior to Fairbury, NBC Sports, at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Bill, get a switch gears, Final Four. So any, any chance, snowball's chance, that Coach K's not playing Monday night? I think the loss to North Carolina in his home finale should be the impetus for them on Saturday and again on Monday. Uh, totally I, you know, when he, when he left the court and said, uh, this is not the end, you know, when he has his post-game speech after that North Carolina loss, the season is not over now. They didn't win the ACC tournament title, which means a lot to the people down there. Uh, and they played really, really well. I know they've come from behind in a couple of games in this tournament, but they played really, really well in that win over Michigan State. Sorry to Carson. Um, <laughs> he, I, bet on, I think, he bet on Duke that day. <laughs> I think when they want to turn it on, they can. Um, Kansas has looked pretty good. But, you know, I read the article that, what was it? Can Bill Self win it all with a team that's clearly not his best? Maybe, but I, 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 I just think the, the pages are blank right now for Mike Krzyzewski to write the final chapter. I think it's too... It's it's too much Hollywood ending I know. for it to not happen. I mean, the, I mean, I TB, TBS just got to be smiling ear to ear as you get everybody back. You get four blue bloods or three and a half blue bloods in it. You get Carolina Duke part three. KU's there. Villanova's working on a third title. Coach K's working on a fifth. Hubert's been really good. I mean, this is. This is dream scenario. And then you had the run uh, with uh, with Cinderella out of Jersey that was good. So yeah, I, I, I thought I, I thought maybe Villa, I thought Tennessee was the best team going into the tournament, but clearly they stumbled. But the one thing that I like about Villanova, and there's one thing that's not to like, and that's the, the injured player's name escapes me right now. They shoot their I, I mean, you gotta look at it four times. Eighty two percent from the free throw line. Yeah. 82%. Kansas won its national title, what was it, 10 years ago now? Because oh, Memphis Memphis could not hit the ocean from a boat, from the free throw line. And, and But when you shoot 82% as a team, you're going to win. You're going to win games. Now, the loss of the, you know, the, the starting guard, that hurts. Yeah, but, more, more is going to derail yeah. them, and I think it's just too much transition for Kansas. I said that all week, and, and it's going to be about pace and tempo and I think KU has too much. So I'm interested here as uh, we wind down. Bill Dolman's with us. Uh, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Bill, uh, Harry Carey, that story in The Athletic, uh, a laundry list of what to expect and uh, tales from, from Rush Street, so to speak. Any either Harry Carey story or any uh, any legendary words of wisdom for, for folks in the broadcast industry or 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 just uh, some some famous folks that, that also are in that hairy ilk. And did that story it, it, remind you of anybody? It is an amazing story. Um, and it's a fun story to read. And one of the guys who wrote uh, a comment to it, and I hate the comment section, you know, from the readers. I hate that. But a guy yeah. said, this could be a daily column for the next three years. Absolutely. <laughs> that was pretty good. You know, the other thing I was thinking about, if you're a bar owner and Andre Giant 
Andre the Giant and Harry Carey walk into your bar at the same time. You better call for Are you horrified or are you ready are you ready to retire at the end of the night? Because let me think you're gonna make a lot you're gonna lose a lot of beer, but you're gonna make a lot of money uh, by the end of the night. And then I thought, well, you know, maybe Schmitty would be there, but I know you don't drink beer, you drink that hooch that your dad taught you to make that's uh, sitting in the in a jug in your mom's pool. But well so it, it, it was it was a remarkable story. And I grew up you know, listening to Harry Carey, you know, do games uh, on WGN, you know, they, they kind of blow in with the wind. Uh, you could get Cubs games. So uh, I kind of grew up listening to him. But his son, Skip, mm-hmm. was the voice of the Atlanta Hawks. Oh, and wow. When cable, started, when cable started to come in and there were, you know, there were less rules back then. But he would he would talk about it being cocktail hour. <laughs> Skip Carey, when it, when it got time and the, and the, and the Hawks kind of sucked. Not that they haven't for most of their existence, but he would say, well, it's cocktail hour now. And then as you got older you, and you realized, wait a minute, that's his, Harry's his dad. Yeah. Apple did not, the apple martini did not fall <laughs> far from the bar. Shaken and stirred. No, that's just yeah. a wonderful story from The Athletic. And got to meet Harry Carey when, uh, God, when was it? Mom and Dad took us to Chicago, 90, might have been 94, 96 couple of years before he passed or, or you know had the stroke and passed but it was that's cool the, that, that's the great essence of a sportscaster you know it was harry the best maybe maybe not Vince scully is the per- greatest person mm-hmm. ever speaking to a microphone but when you walk into a place and everybody feels like they know you as harry or schmitty mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know LED. that that is the true mark of success in our business and everybody in the country loved and revered and wanted to have a beer with Harry Carey. And that's, to me, doesn't matter if you're the voice of the Cubs or you're the voice of the dogs or whatever the mm. case might be. You know, when you can walk in and everybody thinks that they know you, that's as good as it gets. That is pretty good. Harry Carey screaming to Hector Villanueva, run, Hector, run. <laughs> Bill, enjoy uh, your roadie, brother. We'll get caught up again soon. Thanks for a few minutes. All right, guys. Talk to you later. You, Go Big Red. <laughs> Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a hot preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A week from today, we will be at the single barrel inside the graduate. We'll probably eat thousands of pounds of, of steak and beef, and it'll be a, an incredible thing on spring game eve. We welcome in Husker Hall of Famer, NFL uh, vet, and uh, part of the pipeline, great offensive lineman, the pride of Lincoln East, Dr. Rob Zadiska, his podcast, with Travis Justice, uh, Doc Talk, and it is awesome. It's must listen to. Dr. Rob, brother, it's good to spend some time with you. How you living? 
I am well. How are you guys doing today? Man, we're good. We are so good and uh, waiting for the spring game, uh, obviously, and you lived a lot of them. Level of excitement, my friend, uh, in your career for the spring game. Was it uh, just another practice? Was it a chance to show yourself or was it, all right, uh, somewhere in between? How did you uh, process those moments, those opportunities? <laughs> uh I, you know, it was always kind of lukewarm for me. I mean, it's for well, just from our perspective as players, it was always you would the, the way spring ball works. You'd have three or uh, usually three practices during the week, and then a Saturday scrimmage. And the the spring game, I mean, functionally and really kind of the way we ran it, it was essentially nothing other than just. It was that last scrimmage of spring ball is all it was. He had two or three practices that last week. The spring game was that last Saturday scrimmage, and that was it. And, I mean, you wanted to go out. You wanted to perform. But at the same time, you wanted to do that for all the other the other three Saturday scrimmages of spring football as well, too. And so, I, you know, I never really looked at it as something all that special now. On the flip side, as much as, you know, I mean, they made a, a little bit of a big deal about it back then as well, too. I mean, it was the spring game. It wasn't billed as a scrimmage. They billed it as the spring game. Uh, but in truth, it was just that last scrimmage. Now, if we had 10,000 people show up for a spring game, 92, 93, 94, sometime around then, well, that was kind of a big deal. So it wasn't like it is now where you're basically doing a full dress rehearsal for a regular season game and you're going to have 60 to 80,000 people in the stands. You just didn't have that then. I mean, I, I think there a, a few years there we had, I don't know, 14 to 18,000 people for the spring game, and that was kind of a big deal. So it wasn't something you got super excited about. It was just it was a Saturday scrimmage, and a few extra people showed up to watch. That was about it. Rob Zadiska with us, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, talking spring football a week away. Dr. Rob, let's get into the Nebraska offense. What, what do you want to see in 2022? Not just next weekend, but Whipple, you have new staff on offense. Uh, of course, Bush and, and, and special teams. Uh, I think there's some excitement there, but as a, as a as a proud Husker, what what are you interested in this offense maybe getting better at or even becoming under Whipple's guidance and some more collaboration? I want to, you know, I don't, I'm not sure I want to see a drastic change in system as much as I want to just see effectiveness. I want to see things cleaned up. I, you know, I one of the the big things I've harped on the last several years. I mean, this is even going back to maybe some of the Pelini era, especially when Mike Riley was the coach, and really we've seen it under Frost. Is kind of these little mistakes you see all over the place: the turnovers, the penalties, um, the special teams miscues. That's the kind of stuff I want to see cleaned up. And with this new group of coaches, you want to see a group of coaches that puts a lot of emphasis on doing those little things right, on on that attention to detail. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to see. I want to see that out of the offensive line under Donovan Riola. You want to see it under the offense as a whole, under Mickey Joseph and Quipple. 
if they clean up that stuff, that's going to make a bigger difference than any new system you're going to come in with. I mean, you can have the greatest offensive system in the history of football, but if you're turning the ball over three or four times a game, it doesn't matter. If you're have if you're leading the conference in penalties, that doesn't matter. If you're having a bunch of special teams miscues week in and week out, and teams are scoring off of those special teams mistakes, your your bright shiny new offensive system doesn't matter. So I want to see those little things cleaned up. I want to see them practice and scrimmage without penalties, without mistakes, without turnovers. And if they can do that, that's where I'm going to find a sense of excitement because those were the things that really were shooting Nebraska in the foot last year. A lot's been made about firing off the ball and, and Donnie Raiola, you know, uh, assistant coach for the Bears, uh, cut his teeth at Wisconsin, you know, Donovan well. And, you know, we were, we were not anti-Greg Austin at all, but from your perspective, just what – what can be different with the same talent on this offensive line? You mentioned the cleaning up, yes, obviously. And that's, and that's a big part of it. I, okay. you know, the, the, time, the times I've talked to Riola, very, very, very detail-oriented guy. Okay. And, and those are the kind of guys you need as offensive line coaches. It's those guys looking at those million and one little things that they're, they're – they know you're never going to be able to d- deliver perfection, but that's the expectation. That's that's the goal, and, and he's the kind of guy that wants that. He's a technician. He wants that attention to detail. He wants to see that. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the the new technique. In my mind, that's what we did from day one. It's there's not a. It's not like this is some. Um, I'm not sure the word I'm even looking for here. It's not some new innovative mm-hmm. blocking technique or style that he's instituting. He's just moving away from for a while there. There's been kind of a fad. You saw it, you saw it kind of start at the NFL levels where there wasn't this big push to maybe move the offensive or move the defensive line backwards i.e. driving off the ball and the, the, the power style of run blocking, it, it was more kind of screening guys off. You kind of create a lane and you sort of shield. Picture basketball players playing defense. You gotcha. sort of shield that running lane from the defenders. And it's, not a, it's, just, it's not a very aggressive style of blocking. The problem with that is, is that if you have a breakdown anywhere, if somebody gets physically beaten anywhere along the offensive line, that system where you're kind of shielding guys off completely collapses. You beat one guy, you defeated the entire play. So it, it, that's one thing I didn't like about it. It kind of works at the NFL level. If you've got, if you've got five NFL-caliber offensive linemen, you can make that type of system work and work fairly well. You just got to have five off NFL caliber offensive linemen, and that's just not what Nebraska has right now. I don't know if Alabama or Georgia have that, and they don't run that kind of system. They use they use a, the kind of like I said the the more aggressive zone blocking schemes where you're firing off the ball and you're you're truly trying to move those defensive linemen backwards. So. 
Um, I like it just because it kind of goes back to something I'm a little bit more familiar with. And the fact that somebody from the 90s is familiar with it and likes it doesn't mean it's right. <laughs> but it's, there, there's an effectiveness to it. I mean, it, it works. And, and a little bit of the, the plug-and-play we had on the offensive line at that time where you could have four seniors, and, I mean, you'll throw a redshirt freshman or sophomore in there to get a few snare, get a few snaps a couple series in to get some experience. It works because there's a little bit more forgiveness when you're pushing defensive linemen backwards. I mean, if, if a D lineman, if one guy blows up the play, but the other three or four guys are pushing their guys a yard and a half backwards, that running back can get tackled and still fall forward two or three yards and you at least get something out of the play. You don't have that with that system where you kind of screen guys off. So I hope it I hope they stick with it. I hope it stays like that because it's a very aggressive blocking style. It's an aggressive blocking system and it works well. So I, we like to see that. I mean, I was, us old 90s guys like to see that at least. Rob Zadisk is with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Rob, would you say it's fair to say that not only is this more of a, an effective style, but I think it's also a style that is more conducive to the bodies Nebraska has along the offensive line. Those, those six foot six, six foot seven mauler types, that's what they want to do. They want to fire off the ball and really uh, get into a defensive lineman and push him back. Is that fair? Yeah, well, kind of, sort of. I think it is. I mean, the guys that. The one subset of guys that I worry about a little bit are the kind of the, the six eight six nine guys, and the reason I say that is because those are the guys that have. I mean, you, you hit a point where it's just it's pure it's just geometry and physics. I mean, you take a guy that's that's that tall. It's sometimes hard for a guy that tall to get low enough to the ground to generate the leverage needed. Um, one of the things that I thought was really, really impressive about Teddy Prohaska last year, he's one of the very few guys like that. He's one of the few six nine dudes who can literally get enough ankle, knee, and hip bend to drop his level low enough that he can generate leverage against a six three defensive line. Not a lot of six nine guys can do that. And that's something that I, I worry about because he's coming back from that, that it was a pretty bad knee injury. Mm-hmm. Coming back from a really bad ACL tear, is he still going to have that ability to do that when he comes back from that injury? And can a guy like that stay injury free? Because I, I think he's by I think he's hands down the most talented guy on the offensive line. Rob Zadiska with his Husker standout. And uh, Hall of Famer, Hale Varsity Radio, is uh, we'll spend a few more minutes with Dr. Rob. Of course, Doc Talk, his podcast, reminder to get buckled up. Hands on the wheel, eyes and mind straight ahead. The driver has one job, that's drive and buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. More with Rob Zadiska. Thoughts on the Nebraska offensive line as we gear towards a spring game a week from tomorrow with Hale Varsity. 
Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Rob Zadiska with his few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio, offensive line thoughts, spring football, week away from the spring game. Dr. Rob, do you like the talent and the options uh, Riola has? Uh, there's some guys that we're not going to get to see due to injury you just touched on, but you have a, 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 a room full of bodies, and you've on paper recruited well, right? I mean, you got to find a center with, with Cam. So talk to me about what you project, not necessarily uh, the starters today in ink, but just do they have five to seven guys that they can lean on, a, a backup guard, a backup swing tackle, a center? Can they be loaded up and, and gel? On paper, they, they've got the raw talent. I mean, there's guys – I mean – there's some of these guys we haven't just haven't seen a ton of, like Henry Latovsky. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a guy that I'm really excited. Just that's a huge human being, and he's not one of those six nine guys. I mean, he's like six five, six six. But man, that is a freaking beast of a body. I mean, that is a big guy, strong guy, and he's very explosive. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy that I that you're looking at that I would think at the Ten of those inner three positions, the the guard spots, the center spot. That I'd love to see how he fits into the picture going in. Now you, you've got you've got a nice mix of guys up and down the ranks as far as some young guys. You got some guys who are going to be seniors um, that can fit in there. You mentioned the center position. I mean that's something that still kind of sticks in my craw a little bit that they just don't have a really good true center on the team right now that that's kind of emerged from the lineup that they're going to, okay, here's our center for the fall. They, they haven't really tabbed that guy yet. Um, I've got some frustration because you look, they, I don't even know if he'd still have uh, eligibility, but you had AJ Forbes, who's a Bellevue West kid. So you got a local Nebraska kid, who my understanding was is kind of, I don't know if he was flat out told this or if it was more just sort of a writing on the wall kind of thing, where he essentially was told, you know what, you're only 6'2 or 6'3, you're never going to play here. And so he transfers. He kind of became sort of the negative of Samari Torre, where he leaves Nebraska and goes, to, goes up to Montana and becomes a two-time All-American center at Montana. Jeez. So, but that that's the kind of guy that I look at. Like, good lord, it'd be nice to have him back in Lincoln this year. And I don't know if he'd still have an extra year of COVID eligibility. But that's the kind of guy that you'd look at that you'd love to have on the roster still, just because kind of a mean dude, good athlete, perfect size. I mean, sort of that six two, six three, 
295, can move and has a nasty streak. Very athletic alignment. But it's that's the kind of loss that I bemoan here when I look at the last couple of years because I'm looking now and going, it's like, you know, we we really needed somebody behind Cam who could who could pick up that slack and play that center position. And it's an important position. I mean, we saw how that went when Cam was still working on the snapping problems. You have a little bit of a breakdown at that center position. It kills an entire play. And so that was a big focus when Osborne, Tennifer, Dan Young, when those guys were running the show, you always had a center. You always had a backup center. You always had a couple of guys that could fill that role. And that was something that there's a massive emphasis on. And we, I think Nebraska needs to get back to that, putting that emphasis on that position and having a guy, having an All-American caliber guy who can fill that role because we saw how big a, big a difference maker could be when Cam was a little bit off. And if they find a guy, great. It's just I don't, I'm not sure who they're really locking into right now at that position. A few more minutes here with Rob Zadiska. And Rob... I mean, the guys in the offensive line room obviously very important for a running game and a passing game. We saw that last season whenever the offensive line struggled. Uh, it really felt like the offense as a whole struggled, and that's, I guess, the story of football. Uh, but, but I want to get your take on, on the other guys that make the running game take. Those are the running backs. Uh, we saw from uh, Ramir, jo- yeah, Ramir Johnson as well as uh, Jacquez last season. Now it sounds like Anthony Grant's being added to the room, and, and he's impressed the coaches. I, I just want to get your take with what we saw from the running backs last season and, and what kind of improvement we need from them uh, in this upcoming season in order to have an effective running game? I mean, consistency is the big thing. I mean, and a lot of that does start up start up front with the line, the blocking. Um, where you're going to need to see an effective passing game because as much as I'd love to just say, you know, we're just going to run the ball all day and do nothing else, <laughs> you, do, you do have to be able to kind of get a defense to pull a few guys out of the box a little bit. You can't put nine guys up there and hope you're going to have success running against that play in and play out. You got to have that passing threat. And so I do think they'll have that with the system that that Whipple and Mickey Joseph want to want to get rolling with there. Um, From the running back spot, again, you want to see that consistent performance. We haven't seen that over the, the last time we saw it was year one under frost with a big boat. I mean, you, you had a guy who really dedicated himself in the offseason. He, he was basically, hey, I'm going to make myself the man going into that my senior year. You look at some of these guys where they're talking about the offseason work that guys like Yant have put in up to this point, and I hope to see that pay off with a little bit of consistency. I think you got three or four guys on that roster, any of who – could be the, that primary running back, that that first, second, third down guy. I just, I, I hope we see some consistency out of it, because I think when you see a consistent running game, you do have a guy that you kind of lean on a bit. But in my opinion, the last time Nebraska had a really good consistent running game was, in fact, a Zigbo senior year, and it's because you had a guy that. One, he was consistent, and the, the team felt like they could rely on him in terms of giving him 
those 20 carries a game, getting that 100-plus yards a game, getting that 1,000-yard season. The reason those numbers, that 20 yards, a, the 20 carries a game, the 100 yards a game, the, the 1,000 yards a season, the reason those are kind of, kind of your good solid benchmarks for a solid running back and a decent running offense is because if you could do that, it does put a ton of pressure on a defense. It does wear a defense out. You start having not being able to rush for 100 yards a game. Also, the defense knows it's passing time, and we can sort of pin our ears back and get after it. And using that running game to soften that defense up. I know one of the stats I got thrown out there recently is that, what was it, Nebraska's quarterbacks were under pressure, what was it, like 42% of their dropbacks this past year. If you've got a consistent running game and they know that draw threat is there, they know that running back potential is there, it softens that defense up. That defense maybe has to sit back on their heels a little bit. You've got to watch for those draw plays. You've got to watch for that running back coming out of the backfield on a screen pass. You've got to pay attention to that a little bit more and you can't just pin your ears back and get after the quarterback as much. And I think it makes a huge difference in terms of that overall effectiveness of the offense. Thoughts with Dr. Rob Zadiska, part of the Pipeline, Husker Hall of Famer. Good stuff as we wind down a a Friday with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Rob Zadiska with us, Husker Hall of Famer, part of the Pipeline NFLer, uh, the good doctor and his podcast, Doc Talk. Uh, with Travis Justice, uh, wherever you uh, tune into pods, uh, check out uh, Dr. Rob and Travis. Great stuff on Husker football. Dr. Rob, I know it's uh, it's almost Miller time, my friend, so we'll get your <laughs> your your beer uh, pick for this spring. But you're uh, you're in the medical field for sure, Dr. Rob. You quote tweeted this uh, thoughts on old uh, old Fleck, the the boat rower. <laughs> What uh, the before and after picture, my friend? Uh, any commentary? I think well, I think he, I think he had a little eyelid. What do they call it? A blepharoplasty done? Where I think he basically had a lid lift. Is what it looks like to me. What about wearing either a suit after a spring a game? Diff- <laughs> yeah, either that or it, either that or it's a different dude. But I, I, it's it's PJ. But he definitely had some work done, which. Hey, good, good for him if you want to keep up the, that, that baby face. But I'm one of those guys. If, now, there's functional reasons to do that. If you've got somebody who's got a little bit of a lid leg where your eyelids are actually – you can have some people where your eyelids actually 
have enough excess tissue, they kind of hang down and can impede your vision a little bit. Gotcha. If there was more of a deal where he either did a lift or he did a, did a little bit of Botox to create a more youthful appearance, the problem with those those procedures, in my mind, it's, it's not so much they don't necessarily make you look younger. They make you look like you had a procedure done. <laughs> it's what they look like. I mean, nobody looks at you and goes like, ah. Oh, you had a facelift. Oh, my gosh, you look so much younger. You look great. Nobody ever says that. You get a facelift, people look at you and go like, eh, you had a facelift. And Cos- you look like you had a facelift. That's all they ever say about it. So, Cosmetic but, or, or uh, functional, right? What's, what's the answer Exactly. Here? Well, if we run yeah, into nobody, a- yeah, no, Yeah, nobody ever looked at Jerry Jones and went like, ah. You had a facelift. You look so much younger. Everybody in Dallas looked at Jerry Jones and goes, "Yeah, you look like you got a facelift, and you look like you got a facelift." That's it. We so, we, we may wait. Look at Flex. He looks like he looks like he had some kind of lift procedure done. That's it. We may have to wade into those waters with old PJ at Media Days. So set it straight, <laughs> Page. Stay across the table, my friend. Don't come over the table. Uh, so what are you sipping on here? What What is uh, Dr. Rob's beer of choice this spring? Oh, my God. I'm still, man, I'm still hooked on these New England hazy IPAs. I just can't get it. I can't get enough of those things. I, I'm, I'm in kind of a really bad rut with them. So I've, I've been kind of hitting those pretty frequently. I mean, up here in Omaha, we've got... Uh, We've got cross strain, so I've been hitting cross strain pretty hard with their. They got the whole uh, fairy nectar lineup of whole bunch of different ones, and they're all good. The other place that I've been hitting that has a that has a couple of really really good hazy IPAs I like is Pint Nine Brewing up here okay. in Omaha. They do just an absolutely outstanding job. If I get if I'm in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I go down to my friends at Cosmic Eye. They got okay. they've got some great ones. So they got a Citra that's just outstanding. Well, we'll check her out. Rob Zadiska, Husker Hall of Famer, part of the pipeline. Uh, some insight on spring ball and facelifts and and all that good stuff. And of course, uh, beer. <laughs> Doctor Rob, we'll, uh, we'll we'll cheers soon, my friend. Thanks for a few minutes. Sounds good. You guys have a great afternoon. A Huda Media Production.